Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, this is IGM Podcast. This is number 307. I am Gav Murphy. You are Mr. Daniel Cooper. You are Mr. Rory Powers. I am, yes. yes. How are you doing? These are all very factual statements. Exactly. Very we'll factual stop. at the beginning. Of this we might podcast. as well start yeah. with factual break down into we madness. We say we're recording a lot of podcasts at the minute, so it's quite hard to keep track of which number we're on. Is it? For be. some. It's for me. I can oh, count, no. though, so it's not too, not too hard. There we go. All right. Dale, can you turn the... <laughs> back thing down for me because I can hear it and it's getting on my nerves this is going in I actually like to hear myself I hate it echoing in my head so this week oh, we've yeah. got what we got that's coming out loads of good stuff a big film Bridge of Spies we went to see it yes it's alright yeah with Mark Rylance he's and brilliant Tom Hanks and directed by Steven Spielberg that's right and I showed you a picture of Steven Spielberg directing said movie yeah. where he looked like a pimp he did look like a bit of a pimp yeah. Now, I don't know a lot about the narrative. Is the bridge made of spies? Yeah. Sp- I was going to say, I don't know a lot about the narrative, but I know a lot about pimps. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot about pimps. <laughs> it's really good. I, I thought it was, like, it's great to see like a Spielberg-Hanks collaboration, isn't it? Yeah, and written by the Coen brothers. That's right, yeah, it is. And um, I thought it was good. There's a, there's a lot of... It's incredibly American. Uh, like, there's some really on-the-nose bits. There's a couple of bits. Like, there's one bit where I laughed out loud, and it's meant to be a really poignant bit. Um, right at the end right at the end yeah I'm not going to say it is that, cause it, is is that American teaser? or is that just a bit well, of a cringe moment that's not that American yeah but I, I associate super cringe over emotional moments with Americans lovely Rory let's hear from you yeah. on that on note day, happy on the, Thanksgiving on the day of Thanksgiving <laughs> on the yeah. day of Thanksgiving attacking yeah. me sort it out yanks I'm just trying to give thanks and you're berating me you're what's not your, what's American your, what's, your, what's your point <laughs> um, I just mean this, it's good but because it's like a historical film you do get these moments in it where you just kind of like groan and like oh come on get on with it but it is a really good it, film <laughs> history right yeah. yeah but it's not history though it's just the stuff that they're just adding in there's like you know, so it's pure not, emotion stuff so it's the, it's the sentimentality of it that's right yeah. rather than the history well no it's because in historical films there's always over sentimental bits in it I feel in American bits Schindler's List not very sentimental it's super uh, <laughs> sentimental like what? <laughs> over, over the top sort of stuff like the girl in the red coat and stuff like that like really on the nose bits like I think it's that. fine that's just, I say that's poignant uh, sentimental men. yeah that's like, just being just Saving being Private adapted Ryan. to film though that's the difference between like a documentary and a film though is so, adding on, like though. sentimental so you, moments the really on the, so there's there's a couple of bits that it's really obviously what it's harking back to there's one there's one bit in particular um and you, you honestly don't see my point. Which bit? Uh, sorry, let's, let's forget about that. But we can't talk about it because it's a spoiler. But you honestly don't see my point. That the bit think, at the end. Yeah. When he looks out of the window. Yes. But I don't think that's... That's just a weird sentimental moment that could be in any film. But they're not in any films. I, I mean, like, in American... In American... His, historical American films, there's always over-sentimental bits in there. I okay. Feel. Like, really sort of on-the-nose bits. There's a lot of stuff in Monuments Man, which I've gone about on this podcast before. You honestly don't see this? But, uh, but there's lots of sentimental myths in lots of American films. I, th- I think it's one of those things that if you want to group said set in a certain way, you yeah. can see that pattern. Okay. Unless we're going to present a set of alternate... You know, you can't say it's just limited to historical films. I'm not saying it's limited. I'm just saying it's a trait right. that happens quite a lot in them. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> All right, but, thank you. But you're saying that... But 
if it's of abnormal frequency in historical films, it's something I would take umbrage with. I disagree. But that's fine. Uh, but we're talking about collaborations anyway, not how wrong Cooper is, so that's fine. Okay. Um, so... It's a platoon. When he makes a <laughs> necklace out of kids' ears, I couldn't believe how mawkish it was. Platoon is pretty mawkish, though. Shut up. <laughs> so we're talking about collaborations on the 4th anyway. Of Ju- born yeah. on the 4th of July, when he's severely disabled and urinating himself, I couldn't believe how sentimental it was. That's pretty mawkish. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so we're talking about collaborations anyway. So Steven Spielberg and uh, and Tom Hanks have collaborated quite a few times on some really cool films. Not just like actor and director, but also as producers as well. They both produce a lot of films together. Um, so we want to talk about what are your favourite movie collaborations. You both looked at me. Yeah, I feel that's a bit harsh. Right? I've got my. That fa- was definitely my, harsh. My, my favourite one is Wes Anderson, Bill Murray. I think a lot of the films that they do together, I just really, really like. My, well, I think possibly my favorite film is Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, and I think they, it's one of these things. Like a good collaboration is when I think when the director and actor seem to like really sort of get each other and really like work together like really, really well. And uh, barring Darjeeling Limited, which Bill Murray's in, but not really, and I don't really think that film works. But other than other than that, I think all their collaborations are pretty much bang on. What is it that he brings to his films? I think Bill. I think he writes specifically really, really good Bill Murray characters. Like the Bill Murray characters I've seen in, the, in like frequent years that haven't had Wes Anderson behind it are not quite as good. The same as well. Like um, if you look at like Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright when they're working together, I feel like their films are like really, really good and like like really nailing it. But when they they take they're apart from each other, they don't work as well. I don't think. And I feel the same way for uh, Bill Murray and Wes Anderson. Why do you think it is that directors of a certain type of director latch on to a particular actor? Is it literally just an, an aspect of trust? Yeah, it could be, I think. Maybe just like relatability. Like you kind of, your writing mannerisms and the way you design your characters fits more specifically to that actor. Yeah. Like definitely with Edgar Wright and like Simon Pegg. Yeah. I feel like his writing style just like fits so perfectly coming out of uh, his mouth. Like it just works really well. Yeah. Maybe but then I guess it. they write together as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think maybe it's like a trust thing, but you get, I guess you get to know that person and you like write a character, you go, oh, I would, like, there'd be an amazing thing for this person to do and stuff like that, I think. Is there a downside to this? So you get a rapport, working relationship, a friendship with yeah. said actor, and then regardless of what next project is, you hire that person, even if, Johnny Depp. even if there's someone else far more capable <laughs> yeah. in that role. Tim Burton, Johnny Depp is the one that... Like, Which one do you think? I think uh, Sweeney Todd. I don't think it was particularly good. Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. I didn't, oh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think that was pretty good. Alice in Wonderland, I don't think it's particularly good in that. Um, but then like, their earlier stuff, like, like they did, was really, really good. Mm. He had really white teeth in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. <laughs> all, all American people. Any do. man who owns a chocolate factory, you would assume his teeth would be or much rotted. poor. They might be yeah, false. Condition. They, could, they could be false. Though. That's very true. He's taken up worse teeth. And, yeah. Entirely worn away. Yeah. But then also as well, I guess just having... I'm trying to think of like what I'm trying to say about... like There's one in particular, like Christopher Nolan, Michael Caine. Like, oh, really, yeah, that's like, the one that I had. They're like really good, sorry. Yeah. Why'd you like that? That was it, that's my one. Well, I love Michael Caine. Okay. Ever since I was a kid and watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and him playing Scrooge. <laughs> so then I know, starting at a very simple point. Uh, but then like moving on from there, so um, I loved uh, Inception. 
Yeah. And Michael Caine in The Prestige, amazing. Like, it's just all these films that snowballed. And then as soon as, like, Dark Knight came around, I was just like, he just fits so well. Yeah. Like, I, I think he's great. Like, them two I together. Think, like, think, his movie styles with Michael Caine. Yeah, and I think both in those instances, that Wes Anderson and Chris Nolan, that yeah. is one actor who plays a small role in many films. Yeah. Rather than, I think, the archetypal director and his muse I'm thinking like the classic one I grew up with is Scorsese and De Niro yeah that is a succession of films that redefined and then defined American cinema in yeah. the 70s from like Mean Streets Taxi Driver yeah all the way up until Raging Bull and then later collaborations like Cape Fear but then two together you know did seminal work yeah yeah you, you can't almost like unentwine those two for that period at all and then later on Scorsese transitions and moves on and he, he starts collaborating one. with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And that's the thing where it gets to a point where it's like, I still want to make stories of people of a certain age. You know, I'm not going to keep on making films with yeah. Bobby. Because <laughs> Bobby, you know, as much as he likes Margot Robbie, <laughs> Bobby is better in Meet the Fockers now. That'd be or, very or, films. What's he called? Dirty Grandpa? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's interesting, though, isn't it? Like, people would have grown up. <laughs> Like, depending on how old you are, people yeah, you grown up yeah. with a different... Because uh, Robert De Niro, like what yeah. Robert De Niro signifies to you. Like, I grew up before a lot of those films were made. And yeah, in, in my imagination, you know, he was the greatest actor, the greatest Hollywood star, greatest mm. Hollywood actor of the second half of the 20th century. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what my first De Niro movie was. I think it was something really late, like, not serious at all. It Meet might have been like It might have been Meet the Parents. Oh. I know, Imagine. but like, well, I mean, Raging Bull way before my time, mm. like, yeah. and Taxi Driver. But I mean, I've gone back and seen them, and it's it's weird having that like that reverse yeah. chronological order where even, so good. Even, even even part two as well. Yeah, that's not Scorsese, but on the topic of De Niro. Even though I really like this, so I've like on the list is Christopher Nolan and Michael Caine. I think even though I really like that that collaboration, I think he is really good in them. He does pretty much play the same sort of character in all of them I think well, well he's never he's never doing like a Swedish yeah, accent but, uh, or something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he's Batman hello um, <laughs> he's Mr. Well Batman yeah. he's a bit, bit same in this role um, why, is he, why is he always wearing this outfit change it up Michael oh, um, this is, oh no he's reading a bit from Taylor Two Cities oh. <laughs> but like he always plays a sort of um Older, I mean, he's old, so he's going to be doing that. But he plays dispensing like, so, wisdom. <laughs> dispensing wisdom, yeah. He plays that character, which he does he's well. D- he he's does always it so oh, well. He's always delivering monologues about tangerines in the jungle. <laughs> it was the size of a bloody great big tangerine. He's always got I such a that. great like shut down line. Like it's all building and building, and then like Michael King will have the last little line that you're just mm. like, whoa, that was some heavy stuff. Yeah. It's so good. That's why he's great for that role. <laughs> Because like Spielberg for a period of time flirted with, well, with Tom Cruise, um, yeah. the World Minority Report, and then you know, and a lot with Hanks. Yeah, so he's been quite free. I was thinking of a good one. They're talking about like a director doing a body of work and then moving on maybe to a new actor that can sustain the next phase in his career. Yeah, uh, what's quite a good um, one too is um, Al Pacino and De Palma. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because they did Scarface at the beginning, and yeah. then they did Carlito's Way a yeah. good chunk of time later. And the films are unrelated, but... In my the, head, they always are, they're yeah. like the... Wanky word, but yeah. like the metatextual the, knowledge of knowing that they made those films together. Yeah. And it's a similar type of character. Like, Carlito 
could have been Scarface to a much lesser extent and is trying to reform his life. Yeah. They're those two films and the knowledge of what they made together kind of interacts with yeah. those movies. I actually, I prefer Collier's Way to, um, ama- to Scarface. Oh, it's an amazing ending to that yeah. movie. It's really... Oh, it's just, Ooh, it's I haven't just, seen that one. Watch I really oh. like Scarface as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so. kind of almost like it's quiet epilogue to... Yeah. But it's, it's a really good movie. Another couple right. that we haven't uh, mentioned, um, Quentin Tarantino and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I th- that is a good one. She, does he do the same thing in a lot of those movies? No. Kind of long... Big Chelsea monologues. Uh, oh, yeah. Big angry monologue, monologue. Yeah. I guess, yeah, the monologues are there. The character is always but That, I guess, is pretty... a part of his writing yeah. style. Yeah. Uh, David Finch and Brad Pitt. Decent one. So what we got there? Fight Club, Seven. Fight Club, Seven, and Benjamin Button. Yeah, I don't like Benjamin Button. I haven't seen Benjamin Button. I like it, I don't know why. Sentimental. Sentimental. Does anything happen in <laughs> that it? That is a really sentimental film. Does anything happen? Or does it? What do you mean, does anything happen to it? It's about well, two and a half hours long, but loads happen to it. You know what they should but do? It would be quite funny. <laughs> they should start the movie with the credits. Hey. Because it's all. Because yeah. it's yeah. all. Revert. Have you seen the film? What? Gav? Yeah. <laughs> you should be laughing then. I don't. No, it's Second guest Fincher. John Carpenter, Kurt Russell. Yeah, they've made some. That's quite a good, and that's quite mm. a diverse set of films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Love w- Kurt Russell. When I was growing up, um, I was looked at this. I, I thought they did way more together. But uh, Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Is it just a handful? Yeah, just three. I thought it was way more. But mm. in my head, I, I always watch those films. Um, there's a Coen Brothers and Francis McDormand as well, which is a really good one. Um, what Scorsese and De Niro on? Eight. That's Jeez! Yeah. Oh, can you name all eight? Quiz time! Oh man! Okay, I, I don't know the answer though. Should we, should we do it together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Mean Streets. Yeah. Good. Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, uh, Raging Bull, Raging Bull, Cape Fear, Goodfellas. Oh yeah. Um, there's one. King, King of Comedy. Yeah. What's that? Six. Yeah. What have I forgot? <laughs> what we've said. Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, Raging Bull. Yeah. Goodfellas, Cape Fear, King of Comedy, Casino. Casino. Yeah. Are we one away? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be... The worst part is everyone listening is going to be like screaming oh. the answer. Yeah, it's harder when you've got a camera and microphones in front of you though, isn't it? <laughs> so... Oh, this is not a good podcast and everyone's just thinking. <laughs> yeah. Gab's going to look it up. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> Can we put like the Simpsons like technical difficulty music over this? Like... <laughs> New York, New York. Oh, bloody hell. That was the other one. Uh, they were also in Shark Tale together as well. I hate that film. Um, yeah, it's not very good, is it? All I know is the, the uh, car so wash song that came from it. Yeah, like, Shark Tale is like wash. the embarrassing like budget version of Fanny Nemo that your mum would want you to get. Taylor Smith is in it, though. It's like, oh, they, like, so, Taylor Swift yeah. so is, is that is that a guarantor of quality? <laughs> what? Will Smith. Is in it. <laughs> I said no, Taylor right, Swift. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know why that's less weird, Will Smith's though. in it. Yeah, he's in a lot of shit, mate. <laughs> yeah. He's in mostly shit, Gav. Yeah, yeah, but it's the longer it goes on. <laughs> they, went, they went like the wrong way from Finding Nemo because Finding Nemo like took fish and like made them all cute I feel like they just like put human faces on fish yeah it looks like Will, yeah. Will Smith's face on like, yeah, a fish yeah if I remember correctly the Martin Scorsese fish has massive eyebrows <laughs> I don't know how many fish you've seen it's do you so know how weird. few have eyebrows <laughs> 
It's, it's, so it's not a common so feature so of what the we, fish. So no. what are we saying now? Are we saying Scorsese De Niro is the best collaboration? Yeah. Based on yes. number. Or Hitchcock alone. and Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw that one in the end. Yeah. That's, oh, see, that's a good one. This is all. We're going like super modern, I guess. Yeah, that's really good. But yeah, um, Bridge of Spies is really good. <laughs> Seamless. What about, what about uh, Rogan and Franco? They have some good. We're not doing that. They have some good. Right. 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 Moving on. Now. Moving cool, on. Cool. From that. Let's get on to something good. What is good this week? Civil War trailer dropped earlier this week. See, this isn't this isn't good. And I had a great time yesterday because we picked it apart when the trailer went up. But I don't think it's an amazing trailer. You know, I thought no. you really liked it. I actually flip flop too. I'm with Gav now mm. on this one. I like yeah. the dust I, is settled. I like the trailer. So let's um, let's uh, let's have this up. Let's dive <laughs> right in. <laughs> Divided we fall. <laughs> oh God! All right, come on. I, so what's um, what's the feeling? Why? 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 Do you know what? It was just I I I never get grabbed by any Marvel trailers. I don't think they all seem to be. They all really they follow like a similar pattern. Um, what's the pattern? Just really, not mis- not misleading, but it's always doom and gloom in the trailers. And I think, even though that is good, and I, I love the uh, the fact that it, it's good, but I, sometimes I... Like, Man and Guardians. Oh yeah, I'm out, except for Man and Guardians. That's a very different, but yeah. Like, in, in most of the ones, even like Avengers and stuff, like Avengers should be more fun than it is, I think. Especially Age of Ultron, the trailer for that was horrifically grim. It was so depressing, and I thought the movie was going to be but incredibly the time, serious. Like, weren't they it's going hard, for guess, that yeah. a bit. They were trying to do that with that sequel, like make yeah. it the But darker. it wasn't at all. It was really quite funny. I think yeah, I didn't think it went yeah, dark but enough. I think they were trying to like play up the, yeah. like, the Empire Strikes Back kind of like a really bad villain. Because mm. everyone's like, oh, your villains are really weak. I, it made me excited for the film because I want to see just exactly how it pans out and things like that like I'm a huge fan of the Civil War comics but you know as we talked about yesterday we don't you don't think that it's going to be think that it's almost it, which is fair enough yeah like the, the Civil War comic is like one of the most popular and successful yeah. Marvel comics last 20 years mm. and yeah fair play to them using that title yeah. but I think if you look too closely at that source material for like to judge this movie based on that yeah would do a disservice to both yeah. and to look at the comic for clues of what's going to happen to this mm. is misleading because the MCU is dramatically different yeah. the Civil War comic works because it it lives in a universe that's existed for 40 years yeah. and like this secret identities and there can be interdimensional space prisons yeah it can't do that in the MCU I think my main thing is I don't, I don't find Cap that interesting Right. How dare MC. you? It, not in. in <laughs> I, I do find him interesting. I love him. He's my favorite. Yeah, I do. I yeah. recently watched um, First Avenger and recently okay. watched Winter Soldier, and mm. I think like Chris Evans has done a pretty good job with that role. Those and, are two of my favorite. And also, like, I think movies. he's I think like, yeah, I really think, think Winter Soldier, especially. Yeah. I really think he's the heart and soul of that team. Like his bits where he goes and visit, like when he crash lands the plane mm. and speaks to Peggy, generally gets to me. Yeah. The bit where he throws himself onto a grenade. Oh, it's, her it's pretty good. That's the thing. And the bit when he says to her, when she has Alzheimer's, yeah. he goes, "I can never leave my best girl waiting for a dance." It's like that's really good. <laughs> no, it's really good. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this really good moment, and like, and his relationship with Bucky, like the end of Winter Soldier, when he just won't fight him, and he goes, "Because I'm with you to the end of the line." So, yeah, it's a lot. It's a big I'm line. Not, yeah, that's the but thing. I think he sells me. I like that. This I, is my problem, like with the Civil War trailer. Like, obviously, I, I read the comics, and I'm a huge fan. And I think, like as you said, I'm coming at it from it wanting to be like what I'm used to, like the narrative that I'm used to. And obviously, seeing the trailer, it's not like that at all. And one of my problems that I had with Winter Soldier was, uh, like. 
the the whole conflict with Bucky and the emotions towards Bucky, I don't didn't feel like he was a big enough character in the first Avengers I agree. I agree. to yeah, make definitely. him such a pivotal point. And now it's going into this third movie yeah. where instead of it being this big political struggle to divide yeah. the teams, it's it seems to be more about Bucky and his relationship with Bucky. I think, uh, and I don't know, unless they play that relationship up in a yeah, big part and you yeah. really feel something, I don't know if it, you're going to feel that tear. Not even just relationship, though. Like, I think that's one of my big problems is I don't even, I don't like Sebastian Stan. Like, I don't think... Right, okay. Yeah, like, looking at him, I don't get, I don't get anything. Well, we haven't like, really been given a chance to, like, because he doesn't, hasn't had many acting scenes where he's not brainwashed or just crazy. Like, there's not much, like, going on. Uh, there's not, like, any big dramatic scenes. Yeah. Aside from the, the finale on the plane, which you got, like, a little bit of a hint of yeah. so I guess if they play that up because obviously the way it's it's going into the the third mm. film he's still out in the open right like the, and from the trailer it seems like they've managed to track him down and capture him and they're having like a bit of a one-on-one so maybe there'll be like a bit of an emotional drive in those scenes yeah. that get you caring a little bit more towards the characters yeah I think you know as much as Winter Soldier had a lot of screen time for um, Cap had a lot of screen time for Black Widow. I think you'll have that similar sort of setup in this movie. Mm. Yeah. Just them like going from country to country. And then the other heroes will turn up to give their opinions on like in pivotal scenes and then yeah. the action sequences. But I think a lot of it will be centered on those two characters. That's the thing. I was thinking it's like a boring kind of thing like throughout Europe. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the sad thing about that is when the thing that I really liked about Winsor is how much they did build up like Black Widow and Captain America, which it seems like they are maybe will carry on a little she bit she still but, seems like in it like. but imagine like why didn't they should have just used Black Widow instead of Bucky as like the the thing that goes wrong that'd be awesome yeah that, 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 that would have tore the team apart a little bit more as well well the thing framing her yeah yeah but then I do think that is less I mean, then I feel like that is less a Captain America film I think so because this Actually, is delving really back into his that's past really yeah, yeah. this is like because what I liked about this trailer is like before you're like this is essentially Avengers 4 yeah. watch the trailer I thought no this feels like Captain America 3 yeah. Yeah. this is anchored in his past his friendship and that's the thing and I quite like that being the thing that initiates the Civil War and the like the, the fra- like divides Tony and, and Cap and you get it you get it in the trailer it's yeah. like this wouldn't happen if it wasn't Bucky if it wasn't this dude, his best friend, the guy who always believed in him, the guy yeah. who thought he died, the guy he feels responsible for, that's the only guy he's willing to protect and like maybe step over boundaries yeah. for. Yeah, I think that's it. I think he it's says just, like I think that he's my friend. It's getting, I can't, it's I getting that the weight enough, of that friendship. Then, yeah. Sorry, as Rory says, like it doesn't feel like really we've had that much even actually we've had two films in Venice and I guess Winter Soldier but he does as you say he doesn't do much no and, and when you look at it from like what's actually happening in the film you're seeing like a friendship between uh, Captain America and Iron Man essentially dissolve uh, and you're kind of supposed to believe that it's because of this other friendship yeah. you know we've we've had so many films with Captain America and Iron Man you know we've come to know them as really close friends and we don't really have that relationship yeah. with Cap and Bucky yet yeah. so hopefully that's something they'll put oh, in place quite to justify cool it. as well is I actually because Winter Soldier like, um, First Avenger it feels like a long time ago that mm. movie but if you think about the psychology of Captain America like he was friends with Bucky for like what 20 five years or so yeah yeah and then freeze and then we've had he's had a few avengers but that actually is obviously not for his consciousness that no. wasn't that long ago he was friends with bucky very recently that's yeah. a really good point like yeah. for everyone else it's like oh this happened this guy died back in the 1940s for yeah. cap it happened five years ago yeah you kind of very emotionally and psychologically like close to him yeah yeah they did do a good job of that uh at the end of 
the second Captain America film where you get that little I'm with you till the end of the line yeah, comment and then that. you just the weight of that yeah. and then you kind of realise it's a friendship it has a backstory that you've had mm, these moments before cool well, yeah. it's a time travel story as well because like yeah. Bucky's been thawed out a lot over time to like <laughs> like like kill people throughout yeah, yeah. the second yeah. half of the 20th century like, yeah, that he obviously feels good. Like that's the thing. I quite like that. Like, you obviously, you have to bring more because like they've not explored it fully in the movies. But like, I like that idea that Cap feels responsible for this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I left him for dead. It's like they took my friend and they made him into a monster. Yeah. I hadn't like, thought about that actually. Like, you, you just made a really, really good point. Like, it did just happen the other day to him. Like, same with Peggy. Yeah, that must like break him that's when he goes and worse, sees Peggy yeah. and he sees her. Like this woman, he could have had a life with. Yeah. I, I know I just watched him recently as like, well. And you were frozen air as well. You've frozen the one that's trying to kill me with one arm. I know. <laughs> Freeze air. Yeah. That's why I think like I really enjoy the, the character of Captain America because it seems yeah. like a lot of the characters fall into the issue of like, it's a normal person, now I have powers and I have to deal with the powers. But for yeah. Captain America, it's like, it's never right. about his powers. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. that he's a person out of time. Yeah. Like that's his big struggle. It's not like, he never struggles with being like a superhero at all. It's, no, he's... It's, he's perfect to be a super that's the whole point yeah. that's why he was yeah. chosen you were literally the ideal person to have these powers we can trust you with them like implicitly yeah you're the good dude wish I was Captain America well amazing it's well, how, in, it's how in the, str- the struggle the struggle the struggle yeah. is real so if we have a- any uh, German scientists listen to the podcast and are working on any serums of any kind I will drink them I will drink <laughs> them can't be worse without you question <laughs> All Rory, right. you know Rory drank something the other day. It was a gel in a packet that was nutritionally equal to one rice bowl. Yeah. Just what? That's not That's a drink. Weird. That's weird. Why? Because I, I was trying out, uh, me and my brother went to a place called the Japan Center. Dan tipped us off. Thanks, yeah. Dan. And there was all these like crazy Japanese energy drinks. So I was like, I'm going to have a field day. I'm just going to like have all these really, really weird ones. One of them came in a little space packet. Like, and it, we thought it was going to be like a gel that you would eat, like a fitness gel. But it was bitty. Like it kind of came out like old milk. Uh, and it was the equivalent to one rice ball. Uh, it was really good. Was it nice? Yeah, it was really nice. Oh, you, you, were, you were sounding like pretty down on it. Like, yeah. described it as like old milk. I love old milk as well. Don't get me wrong here, guys. <laughs> I, like it, I like it when it curdles. It's good. It's good. Get a bit of girth to it. So something else that's good this week then. Um, <laughs> Battlefront. Still one week Still on. Still good. How are we feeling about it? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. Everyone in the world is getting better at it though. So in turn, I'm getting worse. We're all getting worse. I think we lost three games at lunchtime consecutively. I felt like on the first day that we were playing it, like in the day, I felt like we were kicking ass. By the night, <laughs> it was like, oh, now everyone's good at it again. Poor man. Like, there's only, there's, like, that's the thing. I'm not very good at first-person shooters. They're not my game. But... There's like cargo I properly love because I'm alright at that. Yeah. So, but then I find myself like just, I lose like five matches in a row and be like, go play cargo just so I can win some stuff. That's what we do with Droid Run. If we lose oh, enough okay. Walker Assault, then we'll yeah. be like, let's just do a Droid one to boost our self esteem and yeah. then go back into it. But that's it. Like, there's enough different game modes and different things you can do inside those modes that always keep it fresh. Like, yeah. even when we're losing in Walker Assault, it's like, you know what? I'm going to change things up. I'm going to actually grab some planes and I'm going to do some aerial combat and, yeah. and, you know, mix it up a little bit. I'll try and get an ATST uh, instead of just running along in the field. I feel like I haven't quite got my head around what guns to use in what scenarios. Oh yeah, I think the hands thing is this is you made a good point that like the hands thing makes it simple enough that it's not like COD where you have these like crazy loadouts yeah. and stuff like that. But at the same time I do the the, the longer I go on playing it, like and I, I haven't played it for very long. I'm, I'm like only like level 13, 14 something like that. But now I've got enough stuff that uh, 
like I've got enough stuff like the jetpack and stuff like the, the jump pack. Yeah. So, but I've also got like awesome grenades and like cool shots. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to go without my jump pack. But then at the same time, I now have to make a decision between have you got a, gr- a grenade and a thing. Remember, you can do two hands. So if you yeah. die, you can like switch, switch to like. Yeah. I haven't done enough of that. I think I do. I do that. But at the same time, I've got to have the jump pack mm. quite a lot of the time, and it's like mm, I, don't I, know. I, I do find that so it's on quite wa- basic on Walker Assault. I basically have one for like close range combat and one for yeah, bigger like, map. for right, smaller yeah. joy runs. You probably don't need the jump pack. No, yeah. but then those big ones, yeah. To get Actually, back into I, it. I use uh, my jump pack on the small maps. I use jump pack and impact grenade. Yeah, so you, well, it depends on the map. Oh, yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little jump pack, little jump pack. Just a quick jump, grenade down. <laughs> Done. Awesome. 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 Some, of my, some of my favorite droid ones are the ones where, like, the two maps. Um, there's the hangar, the ice hangar, and then the ice caves. Like, yes. and, and those are pretty much all inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking um, about. Yes, you don't need like jump packs for any no. of those. Um, it's 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 just the the larger maps. You're better off having there's like a. Uh, ion shot you can have yeah. which is essentially like a sniper rifle you can charge and a homing shot, homing shot where you really can like good, lock yeah. on to people which is great for like the long range ones oh. it's still a lot to be explored and I feel like when you first get the game you don't actually get a full impression of what you're going to be playing with because yeah. a lot of games like COD you maybe don't unlock stuff till later on but there's similar substitutes and that, equipment yeah. that's very similar yeah. the fact that you can't use the jump pack until you know your level what is it 13 yeah. 16 something 13, like that yeah. it's unbelievable and I literally just found out one of the things I talked about in the podcast last week was that I wanted them to bring in score streaks into okay. the game and I was talking about there's no incentive to get kills and not die and then I just reached a level and they're like hey you unlocked all of these score streaks essentially like classes which I had no idea was in the game you hadn't been able to use any of them at any point Mm. um so it's, it's true, you just got to keep playing. And I feel like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, Well, that's the thing. I think the way that they unlock stuff, like it is kind of frustrating when you're getting killed by stuff that you don't have. Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. And it's like, oh, it's just just because someone is better, than, just because someone's been playing longer than me, they yeah. get to use something that I don't get to use. Yeah. Well, I guess it's better they do that. So it's like you get these from a duration of yeah. playing rather than you get this from a DLC add-on or bonus or something yeah. like that. That's definitely a better way it. to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you made a really good point, actually. That How long have you been playing it? Um... In total, uh, probably like twelve hours. Yeah, and like that's what that's pretty good for a multiplayer game. That's yeah, like I'm I don't play multiplayer much at all. Like yeah. like what I think of multiplayer is like hanging out in lobbies and playing those of COD multiplayer. Yeah, for a shooter anyway. And I play this for twelve hours. That's longer than I play a lot of single player games. Yeah, I'm still having loads of fun. Granted, because I think we're playing a lot together. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most enjoyable way of playing this. Yeah, on the headset. Um, I've played a good three, four hours at home just on my own online with random people. Yeah. But I like playing together on team-based objectives. And there's a good amount of different modes. Yeah. And they're going to add some. Um, some are free. They're coming on Tuesday next week, yeah. December 1st, if you pre-order the game. And then everyone's getting it free on December 8th. Yeah. And actually, I should say, yeah. if you want to check out Jakku, which is the new map, and Turning Point, which is the new mode... You can do so on IGN next Monday, yeah. uh, November 30th, in the evening. If you live in the UK, it'll be on IGN about 7.30 in the evening. You'll be able to see Rory play Jakku live on IGN. <gasps> Who doesn't want to see that? And then later that, chaos, e- guys, and then later that evening, we'll have like loads of videos of like yeah. what it looks like to be on the battle of Jakku. Um, How do you think you're going to do, Rory? Oh, amazing. You, you're, playing some, uh, you're playing some pretty big, big names, like Ali A, the YouTuber yeah. guy. Or as I call him, Ali Lame. Whoa! Uh, three days it took me to come up with that he's one. He's a nice guy. 
Ah, well, we'll see about that. See if he's nice on the battlefield. We're in my whoa, zone now. Whoa, whoa. Just to give you a taste here, I had a, I had a, a moment last night. We were doing a droid run, yeah. and we had to capture it. The clock was ticking down. I jump packed into this pack of stormtroopers, killed one of them, threw an impact grenade at the other one, and I saw a guy like lift up his rocket launcher and shoot it at me and I ducked behind the tiny little square droid and it hit and like the fire went all around me and I didn't die That's and I was awesome. like I just yelled to Dale I was like how do you save on a PlayStation and I was yeah. like freaking out like trying to capture that's the clip awesome. so tune in guys you'll see loads Smash of that skills of like action. That. Exactly. That been your, that's been your best battle for a moment is it? Uh, definitely one of them what's yours? Oh, mine is oh, um, oh I've got another good one actually okay. I was spoke on I was. <laughs> so, oh, go on, well, go on then, if you if yeah. you insist. Uh, it was on the it was on Endor, and I managed to uh, run up into the trees, and then I jumped on top of the at at while it was walking, and we were raiding the base. Yeah. So I was like riding on top of this giant at at, like shooting people from its head. It was amazing. I I had a moment where um, playing cargo run where it was to win as well. It was like actually to win. And you know the map. I can't remember what it's called, but it's got the Millennium Falcon in the middle, like in the like sort of. Oh, that's uh, snowy. Yeah. Uh, so no, 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 not snow. Oh, on Tatooine. Um, on Tatooine. It looks yeah. a bit like Mos Eisley, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So like, kind of like there, and uh, you can run up and jump on top. You can like jump out on top of the Millennium Falcon, and sort of like run over it. And I was being chased by a guy, and he was just like shooting me. And I, I had basically had to get our cargo over to the other thing. And I never go around that way. I always go around the back. But I thought. I haven't got any time at all. Did you just? I need to play cargo with you. You're um, telling you got this down. So I, I run up, jump back on top of the ship, run over to get it, and I could home shoot it. As I think, turn around, threw a grenade as I fell off, and I could just hear it blow up, and then I got the kill and run up front and got the win. Amazing. Like, that is probably the best thing I've ever done in any multiplayer game and I'll never do get, it again I'll never be able to do that again. I like um, when you get in a TIE fighter and you fly in and you're like oh, this could be awesome and then you just crash I really like that I do that quite a lot <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do I like that so much I, I nearly I would say I do that nine times out of ten I just get like I just like focus on the thing I want to shoot and then if it gets changed direction <laughs> that so I happens. end up just killing them yeah. there's, myself. there's three outcomes when you get into a plane and it's either you crash yourself into the mountains yeah. someone shoots you down yeah. or you're driving at someone you get a lock on but he gets a lock on and neither of you want to pull right, away because you both have the right. lock on and you just collide How are you missiles? <laughs> I think those evasive maneuvers yeah, I'm so lying about the worst one is when it's like, oh, enemy has a lock on, so I'll do some crazy trick where I'll just loop de loop straight Which into the rocks. He's <laughs> like, he's not getting me, I'll get myself. I like the loop loop where it's like, do the loop. I'm literally back in the same position I was at. Yeah. It's insane. I Fun, keep, though. Sorry, just to end this then, I keep doing a thing, like, I've never been in Slave 1 or Blame Falcon. No, for, not for more than like five seconds. I've never been anywhere. I only get it right at the end, and I get it right at the end, and then it's just like over. It's like, oh, I've, I've been in, yeah, maybe Slave 1 the longest for about 10 seconds. I don't think no, I've, I've given killed anything either. in any of them. Um, but what else? We played last something cool last week, actually. Yeah, I think it, it was cool. It was another spacey shooty game called Gunjack, um, e, which is done by the Eve people, CCP. And it's exclusively on the Samsung VR headset. Mm-hmm. What is the Samsung VR headset for people who do not know? So it stands I th- for virtual reality, Dan. <laughs> VR Samsung <laughs> so it's a headset you can whack your Samsung phone in and you basically give yourself a, a like a, a home v- virtual reality headset <laughs> and, you, and you give yourself a VR experience <laughs> yeah like, I, just was, hands. I was surprised at how good quality it was it's the first time I've used like a, a phone 
VR. Yeah, it's really I good. Just, I just assumed because it's not actual VR. I was you, like, this is mm. going to be crap. But it was really good. Like, Cap, you know if you were like playing VR and like you went, oh, this VR headset's a little bit dirty. Would you take it off and just like <laughs> lick the VR headset? <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> Rory, would you like to clarify this? I would. I would. Um, we're all sitting here. Mike's, Mike's set up. Uh, camera's rolling. Dale's all set. And we're like, all right, guys, let's, let's, let's start the podcast. Gavs goes, oh, hang on for a second. Takes off his glasses. <laughs> licks. The he inside. Licks both of the, the inside. And the outside. Of the lenses of his glasses. Look, I had like a mad cat all over them. And I couldn't take them to the bathroom to wash. We were just about to film. So I thought, I'll just do that. Just t-shirt. rub them. Do that. It work. It There's work. a reason you. They, ah, the condensation. No, that's do not that. enough. That's not never it needs, enough. It needs full on tonguing. No, because usually I would take them to the bathroom and like put under <laughs> taps and do it like that. And then wipe with my handkerchief. Don't have a handkerchief for what's happening here. So I'd use the best next Could best you, thing. What, my what, what's um substitute for handkerchief? Tongue. <laughs> Are you crying, love? <laughs> Guys. Could you imagine if we just got this out of your podcast? I was like, just smudge the on the lens. These CVs we use for images <laughs> on the little base are a bit uh, fingerprinty. <laughs> George Miller's like, smudge in the top left. Oh, don't worry, George. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the glasses, George. I'll do this one <laughs> Sharp. Listen, you you work with what you got. Right? Yeah, I told you, you lick what you've got. It's fine. Um, but we had some people come in and they showed us the game. Uh, so basically, the VR. I think it costs about ninety quid the headset, but you do have to have a Samsung phone yeah, as well, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you got this VR experience, and yeah, Gunjack is actually really good. Yeah, I thought the headset was really good because I've tried. I think all the VR headsets now yeah. all the. All the main ones, all the big all the ones. ones. Big ones. Um, and this is definitely the most, most comfy. I guess it's the finalised hardware. I've not tried the retail Oculus yet. That's really just tried. When the is prototype. that? Do you know when that's coming out? Um, early next year. Okay. Um, this one's obviously really light because it's just the phone that's the doing the processing. And you don't get headphones with it as well, whereas like some of them you get headphones. Yeah, so that yeah. obviously decreases the weight, which mm. obviously makes it more comfortable because a lot of them, the prototype ones, like really dig into your face. Yeah. Also, I thought for a phone, the thing I've always noticed when I try VR is like, that's really pixelated. Yeah. And considering this was a phone, I didn't think about that well, it's at got, all. Yeah. It's got a really good thing, and I, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure it's the only one that you can adjust the focus at the top. Right, okay. Because I can't remember if I've been able to do that with the other ones. Like, you can you can bring the lenses, like, like further away and stuff like that, but you can't adjust the focus, I think. And okay. with this, like, if it's a little bit blurry, you adjust the focus a little bit, perfect. That's what you want from focus. Yeah, it's really good. And then we were playing Gunjack, which mm. utilised a sensor on the side of the headset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you're... Um, if you listen to this, like Cyclops yeah. in the X-Men. And, I felt like Cyclops. And you're pressing the side of the visor to mm. shoot the gun, the laser guns, in Eve, um, Gunjack, which yeah. is kind of a, it's a space shooting it's game. Eve, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're basically in a turret shooting mm. um, targets coming towards you. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. I really like it. Um, there's, they've got another VR game, which is uh, Eve Valkyrie, which is like their big one. They're really sort of pushing because they've got like a full development team. I, I think Gunjack has as well, but a smaller team. Is that like, got, like similar mechanics? Like... It's Base not because you use a, or... use a controller oh, um, oh. with um, Oculus. And oh, that's awesome. It is really good, but at the same time, it's because, like, I mean, EVE Online is like one of the most intricate space games there is. And I think they've tried to sort of marry that like intricacy of like the flying bits with uh, like an arcade-style shooter. And for me, I, I don't know, it's always just way, way too hard. There's way too much stuff to think about. Yeah. Um, 
but a lot of people really like uh, it. That's what I was going like, to say, yeah. Yeah, but Evo, like, really, uh, CCP are really pushing it as, like, um, a big uh, esports game that oh, I think okay. is really going to take off, that. apparently. Um, because, yeah, at any sort of Eve event, um, at the fan fest I've been to, there's been, like, tournaments there where people can win a development kit, too. Like, they have, like, a big sort of esports tournament. I don't know whether or not that'll take off. That's cool. But, I mean... It's, it's, Everyone's it's a, going for the esports now. Yeah. But at, the same, yeah. but at the same time, it's kind of annoying with Gunjack, though, because it's like, yeah, it's really good. I don't know how you, you can play it, unless you have someone who can bring it around to your office as well. Maybe they've got their own, like, <laughs> Samsung thing. Right in, and we're all right with you know, it. No, but do you know what I mean, though? Like, it's, it's hard with these VR stuff. because You're be, like, demoing. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, yeah, because we're going to have, you know, we're going to be able to play them at different things. I think that's to, just a problem. You've the got developers are going to face, like... income to take a punt. Yeah. You, you say, like, it's 90 quid. But without the phone, you're, buy, you're spending 90 quid on... Nothing. On some straps and yeah. a cradle. Mm. Yeah. And then, it, it, with the phone, in conjunction with the phone... It works really well. It's yeah. a cool bit of kit. So if you've already got the phone on contract, it probably is a cheaper, more accessible way into VR. Yeah. Excellent. What else was f- good this week? Uniqlo Star Wars stuff. Yeah, we went down to the shop Uniqlo. Yeah. And we checked out a new range. It's already out in Japan, the Star Wars range. Yeah. And we went down and there was loads of people dressed as Jawas oh, and yeah, Atat pilots. What? And I didn't know there's this. There's a new t-shirt yeah. range. And it's more than just t-shirts. There's jackets, socks, slippers, blankets, mm. jumpers, hoodies, puffy jackets that you thought do. There's a lot of Star Wars patterns and some are really cool. Some are really good. Some they're just uh, not as good, I don't think. Like, yeah, but it's, what is, I think, what is particularly appealing is this Force Awakens t-shirts. Yeah. Like official Force yeah. Awakens. That's, no, cool. that's fair enough, yeah. Like um, it, it's got to get to the point where it's like, what can you do creatively with the Star Wars brand and yeah, Star Wars yeah. logo? Well, like the, that's got to be a challenge. The T-shirt that we picked up, I think. Yeah, is, we both is, picked the same one. Awesome, yeah. It's like uh, long sleeve black with just like really sort of faded drawings of. Um, TIE yeah, it's like outlines of like, like yeah. space battles. So it's oh, like oh, Ice Wings, Death cool. Stars, Tie Fighters, just I really outlined. Liked it. Like I, I, when I first picked it up, we we were sort of texting. I was like, oh, it's probably more of a. Uh, of a pyjama thing I wore it, I wore it to work. you always wear it but you wear your pyjamas to work that's fine that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> fine. mate you're looking um, your glasses away. I was <laughs> shut up I was also wearing it back you don't front. give a shit because <laughs> I text you really? going, yeah I was, when I text you saying oh it's a little bit huggy uh, on my um, portly frame um, <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> it's like oh it's your back foot. yeah it's because I was wearing it back to front when I put it on the next morning I was like oh that's really comfy oh, I was wearing it back to front but shirts aren't bigger at the front than they are at the back have you ever tried on a blouse by accident no that's bigger, than, that's bigger than the front. How do you put on a blouse by that's accident? The front. But the cut is different, though. If you put that at, shirt, at the neck, yeah, not surely, yeah, but not not. Like, oh no, it is though. Yeah, it, it is. is. Like is it? this. But why are you smelling <laughs> yourself? Go on, I put that Spanish free music back on. Now you can. Do, 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 do. Oh well, these all things. I feel like I've I feel like I've put shirts on before accidentally, and it just feels like tight around the neck. <laughs> accidentally, I'm dressed. I don't want to be dressed. That's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> How am I really dressed? Um, Get in the shower. Oh, I put it on. I didn't take it off. Ridiculous. I, th- I think the stuff that I always like about Uniqlo is the stuff that's not so obviously Yeah, I the think that's my rule well. with yeah. a lot. It's obviously what we um, work in. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this. Like, I own loads of like Marvel t-shirts. Yeah, but yeah. My, the best ones are the ones I really like. The ones that... It's not just like, here's a big picture of that character on the front of your t-shirt. It's yeah. like, there's something a bit more smart they've like thought about design and how yeah. it works on a t-shirt itself yeah um, I remember so, like a friend of the show Ollie Moss because yeah. he, he designed some t-shirts early on in his career and actually used to think of designs that would make sense on a t-shirt rather than like 
here's a cool image. Let's print that on a t-shirt. So right. he did one where it's like the like the a t-shirt is unique because it has a front and back. Yeah. So you can have a design that works across those two planes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, though. That's good. Yeah. Front and yeah back. I, like the stuff that insert coin clothing, like who do the video game stuff. Like sometimes I think their stuff. They managed to find such a small thing that's in the background of a game or just a really, really, like, you know, a product or something like that within that world and make something cool out of that. Whereas I think when you have, if you just had, like, Star Wars on it, it's not as good. I don't know, I would quite like just the original logo. But that's the thing, if it was, like, the original logo. Yeah, like, kind of faded, looking cool. That'd be awesome. that's good. Rory, round off the goodness this week. What have you got? The goodness is rounded off by Peep Show, the latest season. I am three episodes deep right now. I'm a huge Peep Show fan. Obviously, this is the final season, which I'm just heartbroken about. Only six about. episodes in the season. I know. Sometimes there's I a know. bit more. Sometimes eight is or nine. It? Yeah, they used to do more than the standard six. Mm. And it's just, I like obviously, I was feeling a bit heartbroken going into it. Obviously, a little bit skeptical as well because it's been a while since I've seen Peep Show and you don't really want them to go out on a bum note. Like, you want mm. it to be a really good season. So far... It has just been so funny. It's been some of my favorite episodes so far, especially the one that aired last night. Oh, see, I haven't seen that yet. I've heard oh this, that was it. I thought the first two were alright. I thought the first one was really, really yeah. funny. The second one was like a little bit of a dip, but the third I love one, the second one, the third one is like they're doing something really great, which is kind of very discreetly uh, reintroducing some characters that you've seen like throughout the season. So yeah. like Superhands was back, like Dobby's back, a lot of the mains. It doesn't feel forced at all. And in, in the latest one, we're introduced to another character from the past. And it just, it works so seamlessly. And it's one of these situations that um, they find themselves in where something goes wrong and yeah. that just sparks off a chain of events that just snowballs into yeah. this like catastrophic, yeah. socially awkward, like horribleness. And it's just so, so funny. See, for me, the first episode, I felt I, I felt like the first like 10 minutes before the sort of ad break was just like, right, this is what we... We, we need to get back. We yeah. need, to get, we need like, to get back where we were. And I, I, I thought that... I didn't think the first episode was particularly good except for Superhands stuff. I, lo- I thought that was great. But then the second episode, I just thought was brilliant. Like Superhands' actual wedding... <laughs> Superhands' wedding, like when he's doing his vows and stuff. <laughs> I, like, I was dead. I'd watched it so many yeah. times. It's, it was what so, so good. In the first episode where they bag Jerry. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good ending. And they waterboard him for like, more, 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 <laughs> more. Completely instigating it, but acting like yeah. he's not a part of it whatsoever. He's like, oh. gotta make it look like I'm opposed. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. like, mm. that, that's, bag him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like perfect, like Mark, that isn't it? Going, I have to be the responsible one, but I also but know secretly, I'm, he's secretly the worst. I'm the worst. Yeah. yeah, he is secretly the worst. <laughs> Some of his thoughts, yeah, are just so dark I know, and like, horrible. I still. I'm interested what you think about this. Like, I still always think of Mark's the dominant voice in that show because, like, hundred yeah, percent, yeah, yeah. Even though you get a lot of Jez's interior monologue mm. too, like Mark is the anchor, especially in the early season. You go back and rewatch it. A lot of those early series are like Mark at work and yeah. his relationship. Yeah. He's the absolutely the worst. Yeah, like Jez. He's like an animal. He is what he is. Mm. He's a, a bit creature of, of impulse. There's innocence to him, though. Like, he's just a bit yeah. of an idiot. You know, it's nothing and, malicious. And what he is but... is all up front. Mark yeah. is... Have you <laughs> ever... <laughs> have you ever been on uh, Robert Webb's... Is it Robert Webb? Is that his name? Yeah. It is yeah. Jazz. 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 Yeah. Have you ever seen him on Twitter? No. no. He's an utter dick splash. Oh, Why? no. Don't tell he's me like that. He's like a really sort of posh, like, Tory wanker. Like some of the arguments that you see him getting again in, especially around sort of like election times, he's a massive jab. So yeah, if you're sad that people show's ending, just look at his Twitter, mate. Oh, yeah. don't want to ruin it. Don't yeah. want to ruin the moment. Yeah. Oh, oh, favorite favorite moment in Peep Show. 
So we've never we've talked about the people show much in the show. Okay. Like, I've got also, two. Like, I've got two. Okay, you, also, we should say like I mean, there are a lot of people who listen to the show live in America, mm. and while I think a lot of other shows have kind of like my American friends do know about, they know about in between us. Peep shows one of those that I'm discuss with them much so I don't know how aware they are of it but I if you can did. like find it or hunt it down definitely do it it's who, so fantastic oh, the cat? do you remember who they cast in the American one oh no there's I an American yeah. one show you, you, well, it's like all those like try to do a you tell oh, us your no. moment so uh, favourite two moments in Peep Show uh, first off is the, the the climax of the episode where Mark is getting married where he eventually he just oh that's horrible he, he, that is, pa- yeah. he has a panic attack and decides to hide up in the in the rafters in the rafters of the church essentially and then uh, when he's pissing himself he pisses Jeremy, himself. Jeremy has yeah. to go to the bathroom and he, he starts to urinate and can't stop and then it starts going through the cracks in the walls and- I love it I love it early in that episode when they're on the way to the wedding and Mark considers walking in front of that van yeah like to like commit suicide and the van's not even going that fast he steps out and the guy stops he goes Dick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pissed, kidney. I and think then, uh, cool. my, I, my, I haven't found this. My it. second favorite moment is um, it is when Mark and Jeremy are, are on Mark's stag right before the wedding, actually, and in the process of the events, they accidentally kill a dog. Well, this is quite a controversial moment in Peep Show. Yeah, like people, some people feel that's a, a jump in the shark moment. Really, like, it's too like it's too ridiculous. It is pretty rubbish. I I was in tears laughing so yeah so they cook a girl's dog they, they, they accidentally kill the dog and they're basically in very close quarters the whole time with the people who own it so they don't really know what to do with it um, and at one point Jeremy tries to burn it to try yeah. and get rid of it they, but then it doesn't burn no. so then they try to bury it and it's just like this whole but nightmare they also, and then they think it's barbecue well, that's it. Yeah, so they have to put it in a in a bag, but then they run into the people who own the dog, and then they're asking about what's in the bag, and they have to try and convince them that it's barbecue chicken and not dog. No, I, I like the, the person, the people they cast in the American. I don't know who they are. All right, uh, uh, this is rubbish. Yeah, uh, um, I think like Superhands is my favorite character, but my favorite moment is um, it's quite early on, and I think I love it because it just changed the way that me and my friends talk to each other. Is uh, when Mark. Um, is walking past some kids. It might even be the first episode. Uh, and it's yeah, the first episode of this. Fuck off, clean shit. <laughs> I just think, as an insult, that is brilliant. I saw they were briefcase, Mike. Yeah. I, my favourite is um, all the kind of stuff with Johnson. Oh, like, Johnson's amazing. Johnson yeah. is it's so like good. the early stuff, the early when it was more focused on Mark's job yeah. and how much he wanted to get ahead at work mm. and impress Johnson. And I love the episode because it's just so crap. When he comes up with this like scheme to like integrate marketing and sales, oh yeah, and it's just like what Project Zeus, Project, Project Zeus, Zeus. <laughs> Mark, Mark. Pro- marketing and sales will always be separate. Does it have to be that way? Well, now that you say it, it really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like the one Mark writes business secrets of the pharaohs, and he gets it published by British London. Oh yeah, and he goes, Mark, I don't think British London sounds like a real company. Oh, it is, it is. <laughs> He meets him at like that little motorway like oh, sandwich station. Just yeah. feels so bad for him. Project Zeus. I love the episode when like they're all around Mark's uh, flat, and then Johnson comes around to see how they're doing. And um, <laughs> I think he says like, "What are you guys doing?" He's like, um, "He's like to saying that they basically have sex with each other." It's like, "What a chicken fuck a duck or something like that." <laughs> He's like, "You think the guys who invented Google sat around watching Trumpton?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it when, he's, when Mark's like talking to them and he's like, it's like, I just want it to be like a free flow of ideas. So, you know, go mental and then go sane again and check and recheck. It's like, just, just sums him up so perfectly. I was, I was like, it's not really a moment. I just love the fact um, there's a baby called Ian. Yeah. Baby Ian. <laughs> oh, and, um, <laughs> no, this is my favorite thing. Uh, my girlfriend said this line to me the other day. I thought it was really good. It was at Superhands' uh, wedding with the twins. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I've got some kids. I've got oh, a couple of kids. Oh, they're, uh, no, how, how old no, are they? No, no, no. Like, it's at the picnic. He goes, Oh, they're twins. Always talking about the twins. I love the bloody twins. <laughs> yeah. How old are they? Um, it's five. And fun. what's German for five? Fump. Yeah, they're a they're, couple they're, of fumps. <laughs> <laughs> they were fumps five years That's ago. Really, but you've got kids. Yeah. Twins, Twins. And then he's like, he goes to check on his phone, oh, yeah, and he's like, oh, I was like, I can't, find, I can't it? find the twins. I'll never forgive Orange if they've wiped the twins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so good, amazing. amazing, I love that show. And yeah, the season's great, so definitely check it out if you're a Peep Show fan. Okay. That was a good, good. Apparently, there's a really good Indiana Jones moment in the latest episode. That's oh, it's the highlight. It's the fans. absolute highlight. Oh, I'm gonna watch that. Right. Uh, so let's move on to not so good then. No, I feel like, I feel like yeah. what we're doing now. We're mm. not doing out and out bad this week. No, but stuff with a bit more mixed opinions on. Yeah, I think. So the first thing is Jessica Jones. Yeah, everyone seemed to have lost their mind for it. I saw and it getting a lot of praise. Yeah. Like people saying it's the best show of the year. Well, I think, I think for, for what it, I think people forget forget actual whether or not it's good with what it's actually doing is good so there's like I saw a really good article which was like the first like the the like the number of firsts in Jessica Jones and stuff like that like lots you know, of women having conversations that don't revolve around men that's awesome yeah it's really good and like sort of the racial diversity is really good in there like sexual diversity is really good in there I just think it's a bit shit <laughs> yeah. I just think uh, it's a bit boring I think there are good episodes mm. I think there's good moments like I think there's I think it suffers overall from pacing problems yeah. and structural problems. People say that about benefit, Daredevil as and well. And it would benefit from having some standalone procedural episodes of yeah. her solving one-off crimes. And obviously the extreme other end of that is having a show which is completely composed of that. Yeah. I think it's admirable to have this like ambitious 13-episode arc. Yeah. But I don't feel like there's enough in it to sustain it. 100%. So yeah. it'll be like, it, some of the episodes, some of the things that happen later on, definitely feels like two steps forward one step back sometimes mm. and I think you get overexposed to Kilgrave even though I like the character I like the powers yeah. create an amazing sense of paranoia you spend a lot of time with that villain mm. like just on his own with his people oh, really? you know like Inspector you almost never spend time no, with yeah. um, Christoph Waltz's character mm. it's all through Bond's perspective yeah. in this you spend loads of time with Kilgrave with his people so by the end you're just like overexposed to him so he loses, like, his edge. See, I've stopped at episode six or seven where... That's a shame, because I think you're going to miss the false ending, which is actually pretty good. Yeah, well, now I kind of want to go back to it, because that's the thing... Because I, th I was thinking Kilgrave is really, really good, and I like... Not only do I just like Kilgrave, but I also like just his effect on the world as well. So the la one of the last episodes I watched, the way, you know, they put together all these people who'd... Like, Kilgrave like, had affected his lives, uh, affected their lives, and I, I kind of just like seeing that like that's that's the mark of a real bad guy yeah like where you can just see he's really so he's stuck around with these people yeah and um, I feel like and that's way worse than and just that's, the, and that's the dominant theme of the show I think is yeah. like trauma mm. trauma will never go away like trauma is the pain from an old wound yeah. and it's not gonna heal 
you're going to have to learn to live with this pain. Mm. And she can't. She's living with that pain in yeah. an unhealthy way. She's yeah. fixated on it. It dominates her life. But we don't have any episodes of her, like, in the almost episode one, he's straight back into her life. Yeah. I thought it would have been better, like, introduce him, like, episode five. Daredevil holds its nerve. Doesn't show you Kingpin until end of episode four. Right. This is, Purple Man is straight in episode one. Yeah, and it's like you would. I have to say though, like I feel the same way about Daredevil, like having like this prolonged thing, and I felt like a lot. It was quite samey as well, but, but and I, I really felt like by the end of episode four, I was like, I better see this motherfucking kingpin soon. Well, but, Daredevil's a bit different because, like, I, I do agree. Like, Daredevil's a similar kind of thing where you did spend a lot of time with the kingpin. Like mm. by the end of the show, like there were whole episodes that were like pretty much just about yeah. him. But there's a good flashback episode where I feel well, that's like it. You get to know it's that like yeah, it's for a purpose. Good. It's character development. You mm. learn more about him and like the reasons he's doing things like does that same thing happen with Kel- Kilgrave or is it just um, a bit do you stay a bit too long but what, Kilgrave kind of pulls the Joker card in the sense that he's a man of multiple origins right, and okay. he manufactures lies about his past to okay. an extent so even also yeah that's you, hard. Get, you get to it's, a sense yeah. of truth yeah. but you don't get a sense of identification like you do with Kingpin in Daredevil even though there were not Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah. Because the Kingpin had so many agents, mm. you, you could kind of get like, and there were different like <coughs> factions at war that the Kingpin yeah. ultimately flattened. They were kind of like Daredevil taking on the Russians, Daredevil taking on Madame Gao. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this is just relentlessly Kilgrave. Yeah. Well, I think it's really hard to do that because with Kingpin, I think you come out of that series going, you know, he's. He obviously he's the bad guy, but you sometimes you're just like I can kind of empathise with what he's trying to do. He's doing it. They were very open. That's what yeah. they wanted that was the to do with that of show. Those like, we want this, this is yeah. a twinned origin story. That's hard to do with. And a these character. both guys want the same thing. That's hard to do with Kilgrave because yeah. we've seen him do this, some really really I mean, terrible stuff. And then, if, and then if you then even you were like you know introduce this like sort of sympathetic element. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing with that. So that's hard. Not a massive spoiler, but just talk about this a little bit mm. uh, is I think there's something really interesting in that most superhero stuff classic template is set up your hero set up your villain you, they'll be a part f- for the majority of the movie occasionally they'll intersect during the narrative yeah and then they'll majorly interact at the end in a big fight yeah With Jessica Jones hero and villain are terms that are a bit deficient yeah she doesn't want to be hero he's he does villainous things he does bad things yeah. he's not a villain in the classic mould they had an abusive relationship mm. and the show is not afraid to give them lots of screen time in yeah. close proximity together like there's whole episodes of them just being together kind of working out their relationship and their problems that's so that's interesting. really interesting stuff does that diminish the impact though at the end like the finale it's not like um, a big I think it struggles with it like I'm not going to go into it it's, I think yeah. it struggles to f- work its way out of that place yeah okay because I think at the end it feels like we need a set piece and we need yeah. we need yeah. something and, it, and it, it has some decent solutions to that but ultimately has to resolve I think I'm kind of just done with like the reluctant hero like or the sort of you know like anti-hero type thing and I just like feel like I've seen it all before and even though we're seeing like you know new characters doing it and stuff like that like I just, I don't know, I, f- I feel like I'm just fed up with that. And I kind of want, I don't know what I want, but... Yeah, I don't like, think that's the problem. More, well, I, I, reluctant hero and anti-hero are two different things. Yeah. 
But it just like, she's both of those though. Like, well, she, well, she's not an anti-hero, is she? Unless she, well, yeah, it's she's, like she's like, brainwashed. She anti- no, but she's like the anti-hero, like typical anti-hero, just like you know, she like drinks a lot, she's like foul mouth and stuff like that. Like that's like typical, basically Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like she's Stone Cold <laughs> Steve Austin in Marvel form. Um, okay. and I, I just kind of like I don't know, and I also the same thing again. And I always say about Marvel stuff, like just over like smugness of the universe. Like I don't get this point. I, smugness. I just feel like. They're, they're really like quick-witted and stuff and the, the way they talk I just think this is not how people talk I don't know what we're living in you know it, it's got to be entertaining it's got to be like thing like that, I think you could level that a lot of you could TV. level it a lot of, lot yeah, of stuff like, yeah I don't think it's a particular like like all of Aaron Sorkin's TV work yeah like I don't think ugh. but then I, I think with that it's I think that's on a different level because I just think it's like really smart whereas these this I would like almost liken to like um, like teen horror movies like that's the thing that I hate about all those like a lo- well a lot of those like remakes like the bad remakes when they started doing those in like 2003 2004 when they started remaking quite a lot of like the slasher films the way that people talked in those I was just like I don't know who these people are yeah. but this is not how anybody talks I don't even find Daredevil smug I feel no, like I Matt thought... Murdoch's pretty earnest kind of no, dude no I think that's fair enough there were never any like quips yeah. or anything yeah. yeah it was all that, quite like, that's not a problem I, I think there's more that. downbeat tone to that like, yeah. well yeah it's very I think, very dark and like Jessica Jones is very dark but like she has got this kind of bitter view embittered view yeah. rightly so on the world and yeah. I guess that I guess that also her stuff is also tapping into the tradition of like crime thrillers yeah. and film noir and hard, like hard-boiled detective novels and shit like that yeah do you know I, mean? I guess some of those things are bleeding over as well yeah, yeah. but like, there was a scene the other day when like she walked into <sighs> she walked into a shop and she was like give me a bourbon the cheapest one and I was like I don't know that, I kind you've of never, you've never that, said that, that in real life I kind of like groaned for about what, it like, because it's like because I feel like I've heard that line like a million times before yeah. in like you know like in, like you say like you know detective noir thrillers yeah. and stuff like it's that it's a fine line between like partaking in a tradition yeah and Pain lip surface to it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really hard. I think mm-hmm. that is. I think if ultimately, I think also what helps with that, if the thing it, it is that you just generally like more. Yeah. You go ah, oh, it's an acting a tradition. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's and that's the point. thing. Yeah, and then yeah. if it if it stumbles, you go oh, grown fest. Yeah. And I think that ultimately that probably swings yeah, it one I way or the other. Point, it yeah. does for me anyway. I know yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I feel. Like if something's overall successful, yeah. I'll give you those things. Yeah, like those yeah. little moments. No, yeah, I can see that. That's a good point. And then, but I guess, but you could also look at it at the other end of the telescopes because those things are actually good. Yeah. It makes the whole better. So yeah, it's... Uh, well, I guess it's like, uh, what we're talking about like Spectre as well. Like, I think people like that kind of lip service and stuff like that so if you were I really think, into like neo like noir detective stuff yeah. you probably really like this because you see all these elements that you sort of appreciate from other ones you go oh, yeah, yeah that mix with, yeah. Do you know I mean? it's kind of a big genre mashup in a yeah. way I do I think it's a good show and I think a lot of the psychological stuff is really good I think if it was 10 episodes you think it would, I think be, it would have been a great 8 episodes yeah. how many like, episodes is it? Get, I don't know if you're going to keep on watching I am it. definitely going to watch it now it, there's a really cool natural end point to that show okay and that could have come at the end of episode 13 if maybe in the first half of the series you studied like standalone episodes yeah yeah, yeah. you guys have talked about it like you've done like a proper spoiler yeah, of it for like, mean, superhero shows yeah so that's going up this Saturday so yeah. tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast on Friday yeah right and we also saw Goosebumps which is also alright yeah Jack Black movie where he plays R.L. Steen I was really looking forward to this oh uh, why 
because I loved the Goosebumps books growing up. I really liked the TV show. I never um, watched the TV. Show. Oh, it was so it was good, good, man! It was so like, wait, you never I saw the, the trailer where the dog barked the Goosebumps theme? That was amazing. When it went oh. over and the, the the Goosebumps logo was in the sky and the dog had green eyes and he went ruff 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 ruff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. You're making me feel it. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was so good. What was your favorite Goosebumps book? Uh, the Haunted Mask was really good. Uh, Monster Blood. I, really uh, I was telling Gavin like say cheese and die. Oh yeah, that was a good cover. It was a great one. Yeah, the cover Beast from the, the East. Oh, I remember Beast no, from no, the no, East. It's like good ones. Um, Gav said the main problem with it was that there weren't enough characters from the books. Like, yeah, it felt I didn't bit, think so. I think that, yeah. that was my. Main like, thing I don't with know it. the books incredibly well. Okay. I guess like if you're a super fan, like there's yeah. a lot. Made, I guess there would be like those sight gags. I would think. Yeah, there's lots of stuff in I the guess. background and stuff like that. But I think my my main problem with it is. Basically, like, uh, if you if you are going to go see the film, I won't spoil too much. But the idea is that R.L. Stein is a real guy, and he wrote all these books, and they exi- all the Goosebumps books actually exist, um, and all the thing, all the monsters and stuff are real as well. But yeah. they're, they're kept within he these books, them in prison in the, the manuscripts. Yeah. Cool concept. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. But the idea is then that one of them breaks out and releases the rest of them. Yeah, it's um, like a Jumanji style. Like yeah. everything's unleashed, and it goes. Like crazy in this yeah. town so, overnight, but there's, there's a couple there's of cool problems. Yeah, there's a couple of problems Fun I have premise. with it, and one of them is like so. Basically, you know, you get introduced to these guys through a new character who moves next door to R.L. Stein and his daughter, and there's a, there's a scene where they accidentally um, release the abominable snowman of Pasadena uh, by unlocking it. They like, literally there's a, there's one key that unlocks all the locks, and they do that, but then they go get the snowman, put him back in. Then there's just a scene where one book just opens, and then that's where the trouble starts. Because he's in the trailer, but like Slappy, the dummy, this like quite famous Gooseman one, breaks out, and he's the one that starts. He's a, like the ringmaster, isn't he? But like, but it doesn't there's make no any logic. Sense. There's no Why logic. is this one book opening by itself? Opening by itself, and if it could do that, if that's yeah. Slappy doing that, it's just this just weird time. logic. Hold. But it really I just assume me. the target audience for that film probably won't question no, because they, 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 they do such a big job of setting up but this I, key but, opens the lock. But I still don't this think that's the only way it can but come you, out. But I still no excuse. That <laughs> like, oh no, that's, yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like because you can contrive a way. Yeah. Where that could happen, yeah. yeah. Just make the first book yeah. slappy, or I don't know. There's other ways of doing it. I think. Yeah, and but also as well, like it, it is kind of like Jumanji in the kind of way that you you, you see all these different things going on, yeah. these different sort of uh, elements of his books and things like that. But he, the, all every single one of his books that ever existed gets opened, right? You maybe spend time with about five things, like five monsters, and like the rest are kind of in the background. Then there's a big army of them at, at one point, but. I kind of felt like we didn't get to see enough of them. Like, there's even like a thing, a scene where Slappy's releasing the the monsters, yeah, and he's kind of like driving and chucking the books out like a paperboy. So, but you don't see like the reveal of oh, what he's, be in he's just house, chucked out yeah. that and stuff like that. You just literally see him chuck a book into a house. It'd Lights come out and then people start screaming. It would almost be worked really well as like a portmanteau, yeah, horror movie where like you would get like. F- six small little fifteen minute films, or yeah. even yeah. smaller than that, ten minutes where. The framing narrative is R.L. Mm. Stein in his office yeah. and Slappy going on this rampage. And then um, there's a movie that came out this 
year called I think called Tales of Halloween. Yeah. And that's really ambitious. That's like something ridiculous, like twelve right, short yeah. movies. And they're wow. really short. Mm. And they're and they're all linked by being on Halloween night in this one town. Right. Okay. You could do that with the goosebumps where it's just See, like yeah, scene in each like, house with a different monster. That's a perfect mm. adaptation of the books. So yeah. They're just like small short stories. Yeah. But I think that's probably harder to sell. Like yeah, uh, individual I, I stories is, rather yeah, than like fun. one. Yeah, that's the thing. That would be a cool idea. I don't think you need to like uh, like compartmentalize like that but like compartmentalize it like that but I, I think the ones that they chose to do are really similar as well so you've got the gnomes like I think it's like oh, Revenge yeah. of the Gnomes or something like that it's called. I remember the gnomes but the, and you've also got Slappy the Dummy those are very similar ones um, then you've got like there's a bunch of other ones as well but there's only a couple of actual ones that you get to see and I kind of think I don't know I would have liked uh, actual you know more than you actually have to deal with a scene 10 15 minutes sort of thing there's only like three or four maybe yeah. i think and considering they've unleashed every single one of it i, books, I think that's the thing as well because once it's all unleashed yeah it's not that scary no it's not that spooky about it it's just no. actually a load of cgi stuff chasing you about yeah. and they could be elephants they could, that's yeah, the thing yeah, with yeah. jumanji it's like in my head it doesn't feel distinctly scary. Yeah. Like maybe the one scene with the gnomes, because that's focused on one creature and yeah. it kind of explores how menacing that is. Yeah, I thought yeah, you meant yeah. that, That's why it would have like, been. Well, the, that was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But then if you had like, for instance, if you did one book opening at a time rather yeah. than all of them simultaneously. Yeah. It would be cool because you say you're in the gym and then you could do a terrifying setup for yeah. X monster yeah. I think that'd be cooler I think yeah I think because you lose the specificity when they're yeah. all like just going crazy as a horde so yeah I think rather than them having to open up every all the books get opened up and they have to deal with that I think there should have been the setup should have been there's a reason they have to open up certain books or something like yeah. that I think that would have been better My stuff is lost in them yeah. or they like they go through it like alright what's the next book that we have to track down so they move on yeah. to like the next and they yeah. Yeah. somewhere else doing something yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought like, quite cool. I always rewriting the films I, yeah I, I thought it was good I thought Jack Black is really good in it and I yeah, thought the kid, good the, lines the kids good moments but yeah it was kind of a bit disappointing in the end um, but yeah there we go question alright so I got the first piece of feedback um, this is from Thomas okay. Thomas <laughs> through a sequence of lucky breaks I'm covering an international film festival in Singapore very what? nice Thomas. one problem I have faced though is I know next to nothing about the films I'm talking to the directors about to the point where I sat down to interview someone for one film then found out it was a completely different one have you guys had any similar experiences and any words of advice for dealing with the situation? Yeah, do your research, mate. Like when you get- I think he's been just put in like oh, right, okay. interview situations blind. I don't know. Oh, I, mean, right, I think we okay, could have right. more information here. You're, but saying, anyway. you're saying he has been put in blind. He hasn't just not bothered to do his research. No, so I, I was don't about think to say, so. If you're given a good opportunity, make the most of it, you dick. But <laughs> if that's not, that's, maybe that's not what's happening. Ambiguous um, questions. If you want to um, write in and get more friendly um, life advice from Gav, um, the email Tough is ijn.com. <laughs> but no, but seriously, basically interview advice or have you had an awkward interview? I think what Thomas is getting at. I think I, I've had to be at not film festival, I've had to um, interview a lot of people, but I've been, I was my very first E3. Um, Basically, I was just at that point. I was just a camera person. Like, I didn't really do interviews or anything like that because um, I was like, it's my first like six months in the job, and I was waiting for an editor to meet me for an interview. Like, I was filming the interview. He was doing the interview, and like, I hadn't seen the game. I hadn't seen like the presentation or played it, and it was a forty-minute interview for a cover feature, and he just didn't turn up. 
and it was the only time we were going to get this and I was just like okay so he didn't turn up he texted me going oh can you do the interview sorry I was like can you send me any questions and he just didn't oh my god that's terrible um so what I did was I wrote down some of the most outlandish things that I could think of just really <laughs> really strange questions and I said to him oh hey man uh, sorry if these questions are a bit weird but um, they were sent to me by my editor these are the ones he asked me to ask so if they seem a bit strange that's why that's a really good tactic as well if you've ever got any like really awkward questions just or if you really, play dumb yeah or if you want to ask some really awkward questions yeah. but you don't want to have the blame for it say yeah. hey man I'm really sorry these are the questions my editor sent me and there they are that, yeah. that was that was awful I think this gentleman obviously prep yeah but the most important thing about interviews and this is slightly off topic how to deal with problem situations but people those people I've seen those people do it as well yeah interview and you're just looking at your next question rather than listening to the person who's yeah, speaking to you that. because they might say something amazing that you would want to follow up on yeah and then you won't because you just ask your next question and then when you sit down to transcribe it watch it back you go I literally could have asked this most amazing question yeah. Yeah, and you'll yeah, kick yeah. yourself forever yeah, yeah. yeah. Another my um, sorry, really good tactic that I've got is if it's a one-on-one interview and you've got a particular amount of time, um, is a lot of people feel uncomfortable about doing this. I don't sit on them. Just don't know to sit on them. Um, but quick hug when they answer a question, don't just take the answer. Don't jump in straight away. No silence. Give a bit of silence. silence. Silence is very powerful yeah. for an uh, interviewer because a lot of the time people who you're interviewing are probably just as nervous to be interviewed. So. If you're silent, they'll fill that silence because they feel awkward and they might say something really good. I've got some really good stuff out of people just by saying shit all. Um, Which you wouldn't believe awkward I Awkward situations. I once attended an event for the the movie Need for Speed. and I was meant to be interviewing, uh, playing Need for Speed with Aaron, um, Paul and Dominic Cooper. Yeah. Cool. And then they had the director there. And the director, like, I wasn't meant to interview him. I didn't prep for the director. I didn't yeah. really want to interview the director of the Need for Speed movie. Mm. And he's like, basically, just brought, yeah, yeah. brought him in and they sat him next to me and we started filming this interview. And I didn't prep. So I was asking, you know, fairly generic questions. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you know, this video game movie, like, you know, standard question. You know, not been a lot of great video game mm. movies, have there? And he was like, well, I directed the Tomb Raider movie. Oh! And I was like, and I, I, oh, I, you know, no. I'm quite a polite person. I always go, and your pointers. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that, but like, it's like, well, yeah, it was crap. So, yeah, so, so yeah, to my question. Yeah, um, I, I got nice. sent to interview Jason Statham. I had, um, I was told before going into the interview that this is when I worked for a website called CBG, which is just video games. Uh, it was nothing to do with movies at all. So if we just put up an interview about Hummingbird, which was the Statham film at the time, people would have thought it was really strange if it was just like a junkie interview. And you should always try and do something interesting at those things anyway, because, you know, just asking someone what was it like to work on this film, like, no, one, no one cares about that. Like, do something interesting all the time. So I was told uh, that I had eight minutes. I was told that Jason Statham loves video games, just like one of his favorite hobbies. And I was also told that for the feature that I wanted to do, there was two cameras. So there was gonna be like a back and forth. So um, I would have a mic on me and I would have a camera on me and he would have a mic on him and a camera on him, obviously. And for this feature that I had planned, that's what it, that's what it was. I got in there, I had four minutes. Uh, there was one camera, no mic on me. And Jason Statham, I barely ever played a video game in his life, and I was just like, the, the, "Doing purse, though." But the, but the woman told me the, the woman literally was just like, um, "I walked in and I was just like, oh, she was like, oh yeah, um, thing is, and then gave me all this stuff, and I was like, 
And I was like, oh, I'm, I don't mean to be rude. And I, at the time, I really wanted to work with films and stuff like that. So I was like saying yes to a lot of stuff, but on the basis of video game stuff. And I was like, I really don't mean to be rude, but we probably wouldn't have said yes to this. And she was like, oh, it is Jason Statham, though, isn't it? I was like, yeah, but like, I, I don't know what to do with it. But what I did do was I filmed my own questions like the reverse of it ah, in a different place but I there's no way of doing that and it look authentic so I made a joke out of it and the people went fucking ballistic yeah yeah so don't do that don't do that so yeah. next, is there like uh, a fish tank behind you he had a poster of the hummingbird behind him and I got my friend to draw me a poster which was just that's awful. pretty that's pretty really good bad. I had a really awkward interview well it wasn't too awkward I was just really scared it was with the the head coach of Fnatic the European League of Legends team really well, yeah we went there terrifying man terrifying He's very small but, but he's bald <laughs> small people scared but he's bald and he had a huge beard and he and they and they just won, so I was like, he'll be in a good mood. And he was so grumpy, and he never blinked, and he just like you're like the least grumpy the person I've ever met. Me, as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine the the conflict between us. Oh. I tried to change him, it didn't work. Didn't work. <laughs> this is a, this is a fun question from Josh Gallimore. Or starts off fun anyway. Hi, says, Josh. He says, "Isn't Neo's 2015 been the worst year for big comedy films in years? Maybe the worst ever." Burnt. Spy, which, like, I generally thought, except for Jason Statham, Spy was borderline unwatchable. <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine 2, I haven't seen that. Ted 2, that was pretty bad. Pixels was pretty bad. Trainwreck, I almost walked out of. I mean, you named a lot of bad films. Yeah, but, I mean, those are the top comedies of 2015. No. One of is Burn a not- comedy? Is it like I have no comedy? idea. Um, but he's put in this. It's, it, apparently, it was on a, a quick search of the top comedies 2015. Um, one that's not on there, and I th- actually think it's pretty funny... Is Kingsman? That's why I was not just thinking there. that. Yeah, yeah. It's not. A, it's not overtly a comedy, but it's like really. Good. Kingsman was great. Yeah. Although I, was that this year? I, I swear I saw that last year. I think it's January. I think we just about make it. Close yeah, call. It was still running. Um, but mm. yeah, that was. That was no, I good. totally agree. It's been a very, yeah. very oh, unfunny year. What Mordecai? Oh yeah, was that this year? Yeah, Mordecai. No. Yeah, Pitch uh, Perfect two. Didn't yeah. see it. Uh, Paul Blart, more cop. Come on, guys. Like. <laughs> Uh, Has it been? Oh, well, one I'm actually looking forward to. Inside Out is funny. I don't maybe you don't think of it as straight up comedy. Is um, the Seth Rogen film? I'm looking forward to that. The Christmas film. Uh, that looks. That actually looks good. Got, yeah, I think I might quite might be quite good. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been a pretty rubbish year for comedies. Yeah, it really has. Here we are. That sucks. Um, this is from Rob. It's either from Rob G. William or Rob Gwillam? Rob Gwillam. Gwillam. All right. Neither. Awesome. Uh, He says, hi, guys. I'd like to get your thoughts about Battlefield in a couple of years. With no single-player story. Battlefront. Damn it. I would like to get your thoughts about Battlefront in a couple of years. With no single-player story, will there still be enough gamers playing it in a couple of years? Yes. When people may be upgrading to Xbox Ones, will they come down in price to make it viable? I mean... I feel like Battlefront's been held to a different standard to a lot of other games. No, I I know. That's exactly what it says. I think Battlefront's... Do you not think this? What? I think Battlefront's been held to a weird standard. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's a lot of people who... Like, don't buy shooters, not interested in shooters, buying it because it's Star Wars, then going, oh, it's not really... I can, like, there are very few games that can that will sustain you for years, especially yeah. FPSs. Yeah. The FPSs yeah. do not yeah. have a long shelf life no. because they have just constant reiterations yeah. of the I, title. I, I think I think you're right. I think shooters in like general, I think, get a lot of shit. 
um, because they're the most popular thing, and the most popular thing is always going to get a lot of shit. Yeah. I also feel like, really, genuinely, and this is maybe the fault of like marketing and stuff, but maybe the fault of just people being money bastards in general. But I feel like there's before Star Wars has come out, there's like there's a huge shift. I feel in people being quite negative about it, and maybe people people are just sick of the marketing and stuff like that, and they see like Battlefront as just another big part of that. I think, I've, yeah, I've seen. I think. I don't know whether I'm attuned to it. Or so I, I've seen lots of people, particularly in the last couple of, I think a lot of moaning about Battlefront. Mm. And maybe it's because people have bought it and it's not their type of game and they yeah. just really want it to be. Because yeah. it's the big budget, nicest yeah. looking, new, shiny Star Wars game. And it's literally based on a type of gameplay and modes that yeah. it's actually just not for you. There's a huge insult base, a huge base of people who would love this. Yeah. And I'm sorry you're not quite into it, yeah. but you know what? There'll be a single-player Star Wars game that's going to be like Uncharted coming out soon. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of feel as well. Like there are times when, like, I'll play it for like three hours, and I'll go, oh, like I'm kind of gutted that uh, there's no single-player because I'm just tired of getting my ass kicked. Um, but at the same time, then I go, oh, this is where I play a single-player part of it. But then I just go, oh, well, but then also. I would never play the multiplayer. I, but I've played this for three hours. Yeah, yeah it, but so. these, you know, if it's a single player, I bet I wouldn't play the multiplayer. Like, yeah, that much. True. Like, yeah. and I've had a really good time doing that. Mm. Um, I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the on the podcast last week about if there was a single player, what would that kind of entail? And I was very much in the mindset that it probably would be a bit of like pre-rendered cinematics that would lead to a battle that would feel pretty much like multiplayer. Yeah. Like, yeah, you'd just like, be put into like a big assault, battlefield. Like, yeah, pretty much, you know, something similar. Stop someone from doing something yeah. a bit more dialogue and then stop this yeah. from or reach this point I, I, I don't think uh, single player really adds or takes away anything from the shelf life of games yeah good okay final question final one important one from Harry Green hey Harry has Rory ever oh, no. actually been to a pub <laughs> what is this in relation to because I wasn't on the podcast I don't know <laughs> What does that even mean? Oh, no, I do know, I do know, I do know. I was going to say, great, great, oh, into the podcast. <laughs> um, no, this was, uh, it was someone emailed in the other week and they were telling us to think of video game names for a pub. Right. So, like, the... Uh, the Duck and Dog was a good one for like duck oh, yeah, hunters, yeah, you know, yeah. like these kind of like pub names. Yeah. And I got a bit uh, off the rails with it and just started thinking of, trying to think of like drinking puns with video games. The ship and, and that I call. But this is the problem uh, because then Luke and Alex were just doing the this and the this and it was just really, they were just saying one thing from the name of No, they're not. Like my idea was Destiny. It's a gin bar. Like that's, well, it's that's a bar. Cool. It's a bar, it's not a pub. I don't mind that. Destiny, no. Oh, I mean, that was one of the better ones, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best one. There was World oh, right. of... There You're was not building <laughs> up to something. That's, oh, right, I, okay, that's yeah. basically... That's about it. There was also and World that's of Warcraft thought. <laughs> that's a week of pure concentration <laughs> expended on that. But then pubs can be called anything, though. Like, when I first moved to London, my local pub was called the Red Line and Pineapple. How the fuck did that happen? Was was my other suggestion that? was World of Warcraft beer, which you can't really call a pub that. Oh, well, you can. I won't go to Warcraft. Warcraft. Warcraft beer. Warcraft. Warcraft, Warcraft beer. beer. See, it, it almost Warcraft worked. Warcraft beer. Well, yeah. Warcraft beer. That's what Warcraft I was going to say. Beer. Yeah. 
That's not even a fun I, I insist you think of a better name. It is yeah, not as easy because they had had forethought as well, and I was very much on the spot. I like to do that. Not uh, a lot right, of prep. Okay, yeah. Just be a real, real person. Yeah. You know, R- much has- like our first emailer, you know, no prep. Just dive right in. Yeah. Rory Chaos. has been to a pub, um, but he's too young to buy booze, so we have to buy it for him. Right, Bina. And then oh, when... he has to come in like the Muppet Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Thank you for those. If you want to send in an email, you can. It's IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. But thank you very much for listening or watching, whatever. And we'll be back next week. Bye bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.